Well, let's see, is a five care or baptism first? Baptism? Either way. Restart a baptism class today. Uh, baptism and new members. If you have interested, uh, have any interest in knowing more about being baptized or you're interested to know what it means to be a member, uh, feel free to come next Sunday. Next Sunday at 9.20. That's a weird time, but we're just fitting it in between things. At 9.20 in the morning, we meet in the library of the church. So if you don't know where that is, that's, that's down, the, down the hallway of the building. And we'll have a sign out there. But we met for the first time today. And, uh, if, and if you couldn't attend but are you interested in either one of baptism or membership, please come next Sunday. And uh, we'll be doing that. Okay, and so the next thing I want to just mention is uh, coming up real fast is our 5K run. We sponsor a 5K run for the city of West Covina, and they are going full bore with us this year. Uh, this is our fourth year, and uh, Andrew and I have met with like the director of the, the senior center a couple of times, and uh, I've, I've met with some other people in the city, and the city is, spon- is just just putting a lot of publicity into this race that, that we started four years ago. They have 21 different organizations that are going to be represented there. Take, for example, you want a free haircut? They're going to have a class from, I think, Citrus, or one of the, one of the community colleges, where they're going to give free haircuts. So let your hair grow out and have a cut that day. <laughs> you know? Then we'll see how you look on Sunday, okay? <laughs> but, you know, things like that. We're going to have, a matter of fact, uh, we're going to have the Helpful Honda guys. You guys see the commercials, Helpful Honda? We're going to have the Helpful Honda guys. We're going to post them all along the, the run route, and they're going to be cheering on the runners and holding up signs. So we've got all these different organizations that are joining us this year in this race event. So if, you can, if you'd like to help out, participate, we still have sign-up sheets in the foyer, but uh, even just to come out and join in and see how it is, it's, it's going to be kind of a fun thing. If you want to run, run. If you want to walk, walk. We have some of you who walk the 5K, and you know what? If you are in that age category where you're like one of the few people that do, you might even win a medal. Yeah? <laughs> It's really pretty cool. Anyway, we're, we're working on that. It's coming up. It's October 8th. So think about it. This is the last Sunday in September. October 8th is the 5K race, and we started and ended at the West Covina Senior Center that's on Cortez, very close to Citrus. So if you're familiar with West Covina, it's on Cortez, right, right near Citrus, right south of the Christ Lutheran uh, uh, private school, the uh, the Christian school that they have there, okay? Also, if you'd like to help, if you ladies are, you guys like baking, uh, we, we, we invite you to bake something. We ex- we're, we're preparing for about 400 runners. But if you want to contribute like a dozen cookies, uh, a dozen cupcakes, a dozen whatever you make, and, you know, uh, make it and, and bring it. Uh, you can either, we're going to have registration here on the Thursday before the race, so you can bring it then, or you can even just bring it to the race that morning, I think. And so we'll, we'll talk about this again next Sunday, okay? We'll, we'll, we'll bring this up. But if you like baking, you like making stuff, you, and this is for the runners. So after they finish their race, you know, we have a, a refreshment table for them. They'll take it, and they'll say, oh, my gosh, this tastes so good. It's homemade, you know? Or, oh, my gosh, this is so good. This is Costco. Uh, whatever. <laughs> 
It doesn't matter. Just bring it, and, and, and we'll use it, and uh, God will use it to, to bring glory to his name, okay? So I think that's it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Hey, we thank you that we can uh, uh, get, just jump into the ministry you have for us. Now, Father, we can really be active and participate side by side and uh, just really uh, have an enjoyable time serving you. Uh, but also, Father, we thank you for your word. And we know this is the heart of why we're even here this morning, is the truth that you have for us, the life, that path that you have for us. So uh, bless this, this teaching time now and just speak to us as your children and give us the lesson you have for us this morning. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. I, I know that some of you uh, uh, may not know, but I was away for about three months. I was away for the month of June, July, and August. And I put together my sabbatical time that comes up every five years with my vacation time. And so I was going on quite a bit. And during that time, I did certain things with my family. During that time, I converted my home office into a bedroom so my, so my uh, two younger daughters would have their own place, and they're overjoyed now. And, um, uh, but I also took my family on a trip to Northern California. I drove up to San Francisco. I hated the idea of driving to San Francisco. That's a long drive, man. You know, seven, seven and a half hours. Some of you do it regularly because you got family up there. I'm not used to that. So I really dreaded it. But one thing I realized as everyone was sleeping and I'm driving along up to San Francisco, I realized, you know, I just started thinking about how the Christian life is kind of like this. The Christian life, really, when we think about it, is a journey. It's a journey on a path that God has set out for us. And really, it's a path that, that all of us, you know, are, are presented with, but, but, but not all of us take it. But it is that distinct path that God has. See, my journey began, and you may, may trigger some things in your mind. My journey began when I was attending a Bible study, and they presented a verse, John 10.10. 10. And that, that's where Jesus says that the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, why did my journey start then? Because that verse spoke so directly to me, that's when I gave my life to Christ. I mean, think about it. Who doesn't want an abundant, meaningful life? And that caught my attention. You know, the whole idea of death and heaven and hell, that didn't do anything for me. But this verse, I said, wow. Is that possible that my life can be, be more everything in abundance and fulfilling and purposeful if I have Christ in my life? And, and that's what moved me forward. You know, I believe that life is, is, like I said, like this path. And if we really think about what the Bible is teaching, it's talking about eternity, and we're on this earth for a moment. And for our short time on earth, God has this path he, he invites us to walk. And that path is kind of like this picture that hangs in my office. Now, you may be thinking, did I see that in the Getty? No. If you saw that before, it was in big lots. <laughs> now, when you look at this path, it is very clear where the path begins. And you know, when we think of the Bible, where does the path begin? Jesus. It all starts with Jesus. Without Jesus, 
your path hasn't started yet. It's not even there. You don't even see it. But when you have Jesus in your life as your Savior and Lord, you're going to start to see that path. That path is there for you. You know, no offense. Well, I'm going to talk about something this morning I hope does not offend you. Uh, I want to ask you a question, and no, no raising of hands, but are you sure you are a Christian? Are you sure that you are saved? You know, this is such an important question. It is so important. A lot of times you kind of want to walk around it, you know. But this is such an important question that Jesus said some really, really kind of life-shocking words to us in Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Let's look at this. Jesus wanted to make things so clear about this question about, are you one of his? Are you saved? Matthew 7, starting with verse 21, read to 23, uh, reading to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. Wow. Wait a minute. But wait a minute. I've been baptized. Does being baptized mean that you're saved? It may or may not. I, I, I believed. I'm, that's why I'm sitting in this church and I'm not at the beach. Doesn't that mean I'm saved? No, yeah, not really. My name's in the church directory. My address is there. Doesn't that mean I'm saved? No. See, those things don't mean you're saved. In the Bible, we can find numerous signs. In the Bible, we can, we, can, we can read about evidences that point to a person being saved, being a new creature in Jesus Christ. And this morning, I just want to deal with three of them. Just three simple, let's say, questions about your salvation. Number one. Number one question. Do you have a present Trust in Christ for your salvation. Now I say present right now as you're listening to me. Do you have a present trust in Christ? Not something that happened when you were you know, in your first church camp, you know, but now. See, in Matthew 7.23, Jesus says these words. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. See, this focuses on the old question, why in the world should you be allowed in heaven? What would you say? See, to remove any doubt, we have a lot of scripture in the Bible, but let me just show you a couple. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, 
In other words, hell. But to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Has nothing to do with your offering. Has nothing to do with the directory. Has nothing to do when you're baptized. Salvation through Jesus Christ. John 14.6. Jesus' words, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you have a present trust in Christ for your salvation? Present. Not when you're a kid. Not when you attended church camp. Not when you're baptized. No. Now. You know, I listen to sports radio sometimes. Once in a while, I'll turn on and I get... This is one of these announcers. If you guys listen to ESPN or... No, it's Fox now. A guy named Colin Cowherd. I thought his name was a crack-up. But anyway, Colin Cowherd. He once made this statement because he was talking about sports and especially football. He said that people think that just because a team plays 60 minutes, in other words, one game, they can do that for the rest of the season. The answer is no. See, salvation isn't a one-time decision. Oh, done that. Everything's cool. Got my stamp like on Disneyland. I can go in. Uh-uh. It isn't that. See, for you to really live the Christian life, for you to, to really grow in your understanding of who God is, grow in your understanding of what a Christian life is, it's a process. Man, we're all still learning. We're all in the same boat. We're all still discovering things and learning things and, 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 and believing things. How many people believe about the Garden of Eden when they become a Christian? There are a lot that don't. But over time, they understand this is God's word and this is truism. And it isn't a fiction. It isn't a myth. It's stuff that God is saying, hey, this is me. This is what I'm telling you. This is what happened. And this is what is going to happen. And this is what is happening in your life. See, when we talk about about your salvation, my salvation, it all starts and ends with trust in Jesus. It all starts and ends there. And, and trust in Jesus in this tough world, it's, it's not an easy thing because everyone's telling you that's stupid. Your own mind is thinking, is this really true? But no, that's what the Bible is saying. That's what God's saying. If you believe there really is a God, you better believe this that your salvation starts and ends with trust in Jesus. You know, I, I talked to a fellow one, tell, one, one time years ago, and he was on his last days. He was lying in bed, and he was in his last days. And, you know, I'm there to comfort him. And he looks at me, and he says, Hey, Pastor, what's, uh, what's on the top of your bucket list? <laughs> I don't know. I started thinking about it. I don't know whatever I said. He said to me, it's to die. He said, I just can't wait to see Jesus. I thought, man, that is reality. That is reality, as concrete as anything could be in this man's mind and heart. Christ on the cross. 
Christ on the cross is the only thing that separates the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tares, and heaven from hell. Any faith, any religion, any philosophy that does not focus on Christ on the cross, I'll tell you, in regards to salvation, it is worthless. It's worthless. It has no value to you. Why in the world do you think Jesus had to come? Let's go on to another question. Do you see evidence of the Son of God working in your life? Look at verse 21 of Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Basically what this is asking, are you seeing God work through you, use you? Are you being used of God in this world? Do you see God making any kind of change, any kind of blessing, any kind of anything in this world for him? Does your life make a difference? Are you a light in the world or, or, or are you not? Are you, part of, are you a light or are you just part of the darkness? See, that's what this question is. You, you ever read the Bible and think to yourself, I can't do that? You know, that's why it's written. Do you know that's, that's, part, that's part of God's plan? You know, oh, I can't do that. Of course you can't. That's what the Bible says. You're not supposed to be able to. You do it through. God works through you. I can't love that jerky neighbor of mine. No, you can't, but God can. If you pray for it, God can. He can love that neighbor. He can have patience with that neighbor. He can have compassion with that neighbor. You can't. He can. That's what this is all about. It's real basic, really. It's believing it and wanting to do it. You know, it's like salvation. There is nothing you can do. There is nothing you can do that's going to open that that gate in heaven for you. It's all God's grace. It's all Jesus. It's just like the Beatitudes. You guys read the Beatitudes? Oh, blessed is he who does this, 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 this. You ever read that and say, my gosh, I can't do that. You're right, you can't. It was made for God to work through you to do it. His empowering, his love, his compassion. Not yours, yours sucks. Really, mine does. Mine does, ask my kids. They know. (laughs) We can't do it. It's God through us. And you know, that's God's way. God wants to encourage us by us seeing him work through us. When we see God work through us, it's encouraging. It's like, man, that's cool. God used me in that situation. You know, I'll mention a fellow. Mel Sashiki. Now, Mel's in a care facility right now. Mel, years and years ago, he led this youth group that when we were in a different church, called Sunshine. Uh, you know, uh, I think it was middle school kids coming together for, for, as, as a church group. Um, a while back, I can't even remember his name, I met a fellow who was a part of that Sunshine group many, many years ago. And he asked me about Mel, who used to be his leader. And he said, that Sunshine group was his first exposure to church, to God, and to Christianity. 
He's in church today. He's doing fine. See, God left his mark on that man. When he was in middle school, how? Through the heart of Mel. Working through Mel. You know, some of you, uh, there's a person in our congregation here who's been a part of the Red Cross for many years. She has been going zip, zip, zip all over the place, and Red Cross says, go there, go there, go there, and she helps distribute food and care for people whose maybe their apartment house broke down or burnt down or floods or whatever, and she just goes where Red Cross sends her. And then every week when I was talking to her years ago, she was, every week she'd go home after work, make sandwiches, drive into L.A., and give it to the poor, give it to the homeless, give it to the ones on Skid Row. Now, how many people were touched by that kind of kindness and real effort? See, God's will is so clear in his word. He is just itching to work through us, not only for the world, but for us to show us that, yeah, you are usable. I want to use you, and I can use you in ways that you never have imagined. So the question is, is God working through you? Do you see? Can you think of God working through you? Even in the slightest way. What does Romans 8.16 say? The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. See, see, the Holy Spirit can, can give you that peace. Yeah, you are. Don't worry about it. You are. Don't worry about it. You know? But we've got to be aware of what the Word says. Let's go to question, question number three. Do you believe his word and keep it? What in the world does that mean? It means, do you understand? You know, it doesn't mean you have to know this whole thing. You don't have to memorize it. But, but what you do understand here, are you obeying it? What you do understand here, are you trying to live it? Or is this underneath the seat in your car? And you're always wondering, where in the world is my Bible? See, that's why we have Bible studies. We want people to understand this book. We want you to know this book. We want you to understand it. We want you to know how this applies to your everyday life. So the question is, do you believe this word and do you keep it? Look at 1 John 2.24. 1 John 2.24 See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. So it doesn't mean you just read it and say, oh, that was nice, and you put it aside. No, it remains in you. It becomes part of you. It's part of the, it, it kind of pops up when you've got to make that decision. It pops up when you see that person in need. It pops up when you're dealing with the conflict around you. It pops up. It's there. It remains in you. First John 2, 4. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Basically, you know, what's he saying? He says, you know, if you know this, you understand it clearly, but you're not doing it. You know, you, you, you see all these things? You're, 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 yeah, you're just a liar. You say, I'm a Christian. No, you're not. You're not living it. You don't want to be a Christian in name only. You want to be a Christian. 
1 John 4, 6. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever does not, is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So we have to kind of ask ourselves, what do I know? What do I believe, but I'm basically not living? What do I know and what do I believe, but I'm not passing it on to anybody else? What do I know and what do I believe, but I haven't mentioned this at all to my kids or my grandkids. See, many of you know, I'll share with you something. It has to do with obedience because this just smacked me in the face t- three weeks ago. My first Sunday back, uh, you know, like I told you, I was away three months. Well, during those three months, I didn't give my tithe to the church, okay? And uh, so I was visiting churches. I was especially visiting this one particular church in my neighborhood. But what I was giving to that church was nothing even close to what I give here in my tithe, my, my tenth to, to the Lord. And so here I am coming back, and it smacks me right in the face. Oh, my gosh, I haven't given tithe to the church now in three months. I've got to give three months tithe here. And it was a real temptation to not give it, to not give the full amount, to fudge it a little bit, you know? you know. God knows I had all these other expenses. You know, I was doing this and this and this. You know, I don't have to give a full three months tithe, do I, Lord? And I'm thinking about it, and then I'm getting some feedback from my family and stuff like that. And then I just sat and thought about it, and I just, and I just asked the Lord, Lord, what do you think? And it just came to me so clearly. Are you kidding me? Sure you do. Sure you do. Because that's what it's all about. It's it's all about obedience. It's all about faithfulness. And it goes back to, hey, can you really ever outgive God? God God outgives us all the time. It may not be in finances, but it's just a lot of different ways. So what do I do? I, I, I had to use a couple of accounts to, to, to give everything I, I needed to give the church for three months, all right? And um, so I give it. The very next week, I get in the mail this, this envelope. And in the envelope was this handwritten letter. And on this handwritten letter, there's a check. And this check was for most of the amount that I just gave to this church. I said, what? This is crazy, you know? And, and, and the source of this was something I had, it was zero expected. It wasn't from an individual. It was from a company. And uh, it was just wild. I mean, I just said, wow, that's neat. So I, I, showed, I showed my, my wife, and she goes, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> so anyway, it back, you know, and it's not to say that God's always going to, you know, God, I give you 10 bucks, you better give me 15. You know, it's, it's nothing like that. Basically, all it is was something personal for me that just reinforces what I strongly believe, that God honors our obedience, Period. God honors our obedience. Whatever that obedience, whatever that obedience form comes in, he honors our obedience. Money is just a tiny little insignificant thing compared to so many other things that happen in our life. God honors obedience. You know, let me, uh, let me share with you something when we talk about obedience to God. Uh, we just had our fun fest last Sunday. If you weren't here, you missed fun. Okay, we had a fun fest. Uh, and we had people... 
in our fun fest usually comes from, you know, that our members of our church that come from the outside. And a year ago uh, at our fun fest, there was a couple there. And uh, I, uh, I looked at the couple and I just had to ask, hey, uh, who are you guys from? The husband was from Peru. The wife was from mainland China. China. And I asked, how in the world did you guys meet? And uh, the husband said, well, I used to have an import-export company in Peru. And uh, I went to China to do some purchasing. And I ended up in, a, in kind of a small village. And there, as I was, I was staying in that village, I frequented a, a family-owned restaurant. And as I was going there day after day, I, I became very uh, uh, friendly and, and actually attracted to the waitress there at the, at the restaurant. And he was there to a point where he had this relationship with her, and he was going to propose to her in marriage. But before he did, he felt convicted. All of a sudden, boom, he got convicted in his heart what the Bible says about do not be unevenly yoked. In other words, for those who are for a believer, not to formally yoke themselves or bond themselves with someone who's an unbeliever. And there's a lot, of, a lot of teaching that goes along with that. But anyway, that came into his mind and really convicted his heart. And the funny thing he said is that I hadn't been in church in years. He says, I haven't been in church in years. But I remember that teaching, and I felt convicted about that. So he shared that with the waitress, who was a Buddhist. And she said, if you live your faith, your faith will be my faith. They got married, came to the United States, and because of that, he looked up and found a church, a healthy, Bible-believing church. Today, their active members have two kids. Neat. See, see, God honors our obedience. He honors our obedience. So what do you think? I've, I've talked about trusting Jesus. I've talked about, about, about seeing God in your life. I've talked about obedience and living his word. You know, if you look at that and say, oh my gosh, I don't know, if I fall, I don't know, I don't know about that. When I think about that for my life, it's okay, don't, don't panic. Don't worry about it. You know, there's, time, there's so much things and timing in, in regards to the, the Lord's work and the Lord in your life. But do understand that the life, the Christian life that God has for you, that abundant life, is, is much more than just a name. It's in living. It's in living. But if you're sitting here and you can't remember when you actually asked Jesus to be your Savior and you took that step of faith, if you haven't done that, then that's a really important part because that's where the path starts. It starts with faith in Jesus. So if you haven't done that, I'm just going to give you a little bit of time right now to do it. Okay? And so just, you know, let's just, let's just bow our heads and, um, and, uh, and you, just, you just go before the Lord. You, you know, you pray whatever you like right now. You know, tell him, oh, Lord, you know, make this pastor change his sermons. Or, uh, Lord, you know, help me to know you. Or, Lord Jesus, come into my life as my Savior, because I know you died for me. You died for me.
Father, as we um, think upon you and the life that you have for us, Father, I, I pray that you encourage all of us to, to, to choose to live that path that's placed in front of us. And we thank you for it, Father, because that is the path which you have labeled the abundant life. So, Father, I pray for those who need to start that path. I pray for those who are, who are on that path and, and moving forward. I pray for those who may be stopped and maybe just taken a rest break or, or maybe just kind of got distracted. I pray you just move us forward, Father, in the life you have for us. Thank you for it. For we know that's a life that isn't just a life on earth, but for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.